2024 is a presidential election year, in case you didn't know, meaning Americans will go to the polls to answer the biggest question of all. Who do you want to be your president? Those votes will then be balanced against their batshit crazy electoral college system to come up with some sort of answer. But beneath and above that mess, there is a huge range of questions facing America in the coming year. Who will be Donald Trump's running mate? Will he even be allowed to run? What options remain for Biden in his support of Israel and Ukraine? These are just some of the big questions I'm putting to Sunday Business Post Washington correspondent, my friend and yours, Marion McKeown, today on Irishman in America. My mother believed and my father believed that if I wanted to be president of the United States, I could be, I could be vice president. This is America. Former Vice President Joe Biden has been elected president of the United States. It is my greatest honor and privilege to have been your president. We will be back in some form. We are still deeply divided. Public health experts warned this was coming unless more was done. And here we are now. Are you proud of what happened here today? Absolutely. Never before in American history has there been an uprising like this. Of the 75 million Americans who voted for Donald Trump, I don't know how many today are feeling, dear God, what was I thinking? But I would wager a lot more are thinking, let's carry on this fight. Character matters. It matters. Tell them the truth matters. The 21st century is going to be the American century. Because we lead not only by the example of our power, but by the power of our example. That is the history of the journey of America. Marion, it is great to have you back on the podcast (laughs) in the middle of your Christmas break. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I feel totally refreshed. Do you feel the same? I feel fantastic. Now, I have to say I'm up on the Californian coast and in a lovely beach house. The only glitch was I, t- I decided to learn how to ride a, an electric bike yesterday and I had a bit of a Simon Cowell episode. Oh, no. <laughs> I don't know if you remember yeah. Simon Cowell's electric bike where he came a cropper. Well, I failed to distinguish between the brake and the throttle. And uh, I hit a pile <laughs> of rocks full on. And as I'm oh, sitting here, Gerald, I am admiring my bruises. They are bloody spectacular. Oh, was this a close but, shave now? Was this actually, are you being silly about something that could have been really serious? Well, you know what? I did, um, I, as I say, I hit the uh, the throttle instead of the brake. Mm-hmm. Um, as I was going up against a chip wall, a cliff face, a like 100 foot high cliff face. And then I managed to, to sort of veer, but I hit a huge pile of rocks and I came off the bike on a pile of big, you know, those big kind of rocks yeah, that are yeah. always lying around shores. I don't know who put oh. them there. I can't tell you the exhilaration of, even though these electric bikes only go at, what, you know, 27 yeah. miles an hour tops or whatever, but that thrill of just belting along at what feels like top speed and, <laughs> and jumping over rocks and jumping over puddles and God knows what. And um so it was worth it, yeah, I'm going look, to say. That yeah. sounds an awful lot nicer than the weather we've been having back home. Shout out to everybody who's away in sunny climes. We've had so many messages and emails from you guys from around the world. Happy Christmas and Happy New Year to all of you, wherever you're listening to. It has been absolutely atrocious weather here, Marion. And then at other I times... I heard Storm Gerrit. Gerrit? Garrett. Yeah, yeah you're, you're getting belted. Get out of that, Gerrit. Uh, it's been, <laughs> it's been yep. uh, an experience. We've literally seen all 
forms of weather over the last two weeks since we last spoke. And America's the same, has seems to have it goes through a tornado of emotions in the space of two weeks, not least its feelings towards this war in Israel. We yeah. have to start there with the big questions facing America this year, because opinion is shifting. But the big question is, where does that leave Joe Biden? What options are left for him as they are gradually getting towards the point of hesitancy, you would say, in support for this war? Uh yeah, there are several sayings about foreign policy. One is that it's nothing but a set of lousy options. And never has this been more true than in the current situation because there's something really fascinating happening in America um, with regard to it, its, its sort of perception of what is the most brutal war. You know, I, I think we cannot say it often enough that, you know, Hamas... The October 7th attack put the wheels in motion for this. And you have to have such empathy for Israelis who were living in these small towns, who saw terrorists come in and slaughter their children, their parents, their brothers, their sisters in the most brutal way possible. But this, what is happening now, is inexcusable. It is inexcusable the way Israel is prosecuting this war. It is wrong, wrong, wrong. And America is increasingly, I think, starting to see this because basically at, Israel is reaching a point where it's it's now bombing rubble. It has destroyed almost everything in Gaza. It has destroyed well over half of the buildings. It has only, I think, nine or I believe either seven or nine. I couldn't get confirmation of this just before um, I, I was checking with my sources before the show of the 36 hospitals in Gaza are functioning at a time when there is an unprecedented number of deaths and casualties and catastrophic injuries. There's starvation, there's disease. You know, it, it, Palestinians have been forcibly displaced into areas they were told were safe that are now being bombed. Every war crime that I can think of is being carried out in the prosecution of this war, and it is appalling. And I do not know how much longer Biden and America can aid and abet what is happening. I am not talking about Israel's right to defend itself. I am not talking about the very worthy cause of obliterating Hamas, which I think nobody would shed a tear if Hamas was obliterated from the face of the earth. But you do not make an entire territory that's already been suffering hugely. Um, you do not turn it into a living hell. Mm. And, 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 and you don't target children. Like, it's no. not... Uh, like when we look at the statistics of how many civilian casualties occur in different conflicts, it's obvious that civilians and specifically children are being targeted. Am I wrong yes. in saying that? No. And you know what? Either one of two things is happening is that if they are not targeting them specifically, and I don't know how you can bomb refugee camps. I don't know how you can bomb UN centres, aid centres. I don't know how you can bomb, you know, schools and playgrounds as they have been doing and not expect, and hospitals, and, and, and not expect children to be casualties. Either if it's not deliberate, it's being done with such reckless disregard for the lives of innocent civilians as to make no difference. Mm. So you what know. are the options facing Joe Biden? Well, I think that Joe Biden is 
he's seeing this, and I know it sounds cynical, but he's seeing this through the prism of the 2024 election. And the polling in America is very interesting on this at the moment, because the under 29-year-olds, the demographic of 18 to 29, just 20% approve of Biden's support for Israel and how Israel is prosecuting this war, not for Israel in general, for Israel's right to exist, which everyone supports, uh, but... but um, only 20% approve of Biden supporting what Israel is currently doing. And that is a terrible number for Joe Biden. And the top number goes up like as in what's known as the silent generation, which is Biden's generation. Even the very top number, I think it's about 52% approves of him supporting what Israel is currently doing. So even in the group that was around when the Israeli state was created, that remembers the Holocaust that remembers the awful treatment of Jews um, and, and, you know, all of that, even amongst those, just over half approve of Biden's um, support for Israel's prosecution of the war in this manner. And as I said, that goes on a dramatically sliding scale down to the under 29s, where it's just 20%. So this is not, this is, as we've said before in this show, a, a classic situation where foreign policy will never win you a war. Um, but it can lose you one. So nobody is going to, like, for example, um, the Republicans who were polled, 93% disapprove of the job Biden's doing as president. Well, you know, no surprise there. The country's so polarized. Uh, 78% disapprove of the job he's doing in Israel, which means one in four supported pretty well. You know, and, and that the Republicans are much, tend to be much more militant and gung-ho when it comes to Israel than Democrats. But the problem for Biden is he's losing the younger vote. And one day, last July, uh, Biden had, um, I think it was uh, about 10% more of younger voters, which is not as much as you might think, uh, supported him over Trump. Now 6% more support Trump than Biden. He has lost 16% of the younger vote. Only one major thing has happened in the interim because the economy is getting better, you know, um, and that, that really is Israel. And I think that Americans are especially younger Americans, are genuinely appalled at, at what's happening. And they really believe that Biden has no business in giving this kind of unconditional support to Israel that he has been giving. And yes, he's made a couple of mutterings about, um, you know, that uh, Israel is losing support and that the war should be more surgically prosecuted. But he hasn't actually said or done anything that would suggest, certainly unless it's behind the scenes, that future aid to Israel, including the 14 billion that's earmarked, including the 3.9 billion that's the standard US military aid, including the missiles for the Iron Dome, he has not indicated at any point that any of this will be conditional on Israel being more surgical and on Israel not doing the sort of wholesale obliteration of civilians that it has been doing. So for this to be a real threat to his election prospects, doesn't Donald Trump to have have said something to say uh, how he would handle things differently. I mean, usually he's saying, uh, I would end uh, that war in 24 hours. Uh, is he saying something similar here? You know, for Trump, he has been quite silent on Israel. Yeah. But if Donald Trump were to become president, he and Netanyahu, there was never any love lost between Netanyahu and Biden or indeed Obama before. You may remember how he humiliated Obama when he came to America without even telling him and addressed Congress at the at the request of Republicans. And he was able to insult the American president like that 
knowing there would be no sanction because he knew that um, at that stage, support for Israel was so embedded that he could do whatever, he could go and boon at Obama on the steps of the White House and he wouldn't, you know, mm. it would be at no risk to the US-Israeli relationship. Uh, I think that if Trump became president, I think this is something Biden may need to look at um, or hopefully it'll come up in debates or something at some point. What would Trump do differently? My view, and I, I, I can say this, I think with some certainty, if you look at Trump's record on Israel, is that he would say to Netanyahu, go for it and keep going for it for as long and as hard as you want. So I think that I don't see him in any way reigning in Israel. Uh, you know, I mean, if you look at the record, look at his record as president, um, I, I really couldn't see any scenario where he would um, make aid to Israel conditional on, on a, a different method of prosecuting the war, a much, uh, you know, a much more careful strategic method. Uh, so I think that Biden would, you know, is going to, Biden's motto pretty well for 24 seems to be, don't compare me to the almighty, compare me to the alternative. So what he keeps saying is, well, you think I'm bad. This other guy is going to be an awful lot worse. Mm. Now, that isn't an inspiring message no. for any, for any uh, you know, incumbent no, president. But it does carry water when but, that yeah. guy has been indicted when on the charges. Trump. That he's when that guy is Donald Trump, it actually yeah, does. It does. You know, I think it does resonate. It does. Yeah. But, but the fact is that, you know, you cannot, and I really believe this, Putin was doing the same thing in Ukraine in terms of civilian targets, in terms of, you know, bombing hospitals, etc. And the world was rightly outraged. You know, human lives are human lives and Palestinian lives are not worth less than Ukrainian lives or Israeli lives are, you know, and I think that Biden has to at some point speak out, regardless of the election, as a matter of morality and clarity and principle and say, a Palestinian child has every right to be protected just as much as a child of any other country in the world. And this cannot keep happening. Now, will he do that? Honestly, I don't know. But within his own party, people are getting more and more uncomfortable. And even people like Chris Murphy, Jim Hines, who are moderate um, Democrats, who are friends of Biden's, they have come out and said, you know, pretty well, this can't continue. Something's got to give here. But uh, what is the breaking point? Because I think Obama, and I beg your pardon, I think Biden um, is probably hoping that this war will burn itself out in early 2024, which it may, this current phase of it, I should say, because there'll be nothing left to bomb. At this stage, they're already bombing rubble. You know, oh, there will be nothing left to destroy. What, what a crap. Uh, view yeah. though what a, what a yeah. shit house it is, view very or approach yeah. to take when we're looking at yeah. you know, human 21, lives 21,000 yeah. people killed at least like that's at least, that's the at least. least that's that's that that i think Just. is regarded and and you know starvation and disease becoming increasingly widespread uh, so i think that that but that seems to me to be the sort of prevailing view here. Now, what are they going to do next? Are they going to flood the tunnels? There seems to be a lot of talk about that, that they'll flood the tunnels with seawater. If they do, they will destroy not just the infrastructure in Gaza, but probably a lot of the farmland. Because when this happened in Egypt um, back in, I think it was around 2012, the, in, in the, you know, the area near Rafa, um, the, the farmers there weren't able to grow anything because the salt water destroyed everything. So that would bring its own consequences mm. as well. Um, so I, I really, I think, of course, if you look at this from, from Netanyahu's perspective, his only hope of staying in power is to keep this war going. Because the second the last bullet is fired, 
he's he's out. Yeah. 76% of Israelis loathe and despise him now and blame him in no small part for what happened, for the October 7 attack, for him being at least... And, you know, if, if you look at his policies and if you look at the way that he enabled uh, Hamas, the way he sent money to them, he allowed the Qatari money to go in there because of his whole focus, the, the myopia of him saying, if I keep Hamas and the Palestinian Authority at each other's throats, there'll never be a two-state solution. We'll never have to get to that. Uh, and, and this is the consequence, really, of, of his abysmal and cynical and brutal um, policies as Israel's Prime Minister. We have a lot of big questions to throw at you. Some curveballs as well. Uh, Let's go for the curveballs. Uh, yeah, well, why don't I throw in a curveball against each serious question? Um I guess this is a serious curveball. And that question is, will America trust the result of this election this year? Has that question been asked? And where do you think sentiment around trust for the democratic process is right now in America? Uh, It's on the floor, is quite honestly the answer. If Trump loses again, I think that... um, there will be such a howl of frustration and outrage and disbelief amongst his base, uh, who, let's not forget, do believe, most of them, that I, certainly that I've spoken to, really do believe he won in 2020 and that election was stolen from him. So if they're not going to trust it, the only way, and, and this is the irony, and this comes straight from Trump. Okay, if Trump wins, by his view, the election was fair. The election was free and fair if he wins. If he loses, the election was rigged. And that's his and, and that's his binary approach. There's no other middle ground. There's no, well, maybe people just didn't like you, Donald, or maybe people just thought they didn't want a convict for President Donald. His view is, if I win, it's like, you know, it, it's fair. If I lose, it was rigged. And, uh, and his view, his supporters will also uh, take that view. And so will the Republicans in Congress because they are so beholden to Trump. Now, it may happen. It, let's just look at a best case scenario here in, in our little curveball. Let's just say that Donald Trump loses again in 2024. And a lot of this, and we'll get to this, I think depends on the court calendar and whether or not he actually stands trial for any of these four criminal cases before November 5th. Uh, but if if Trump loses on November 5th, 2024, and if not only that, but as seems certain to me, that um, Republicans lose control of the House of Congress, and I cannot think why any sane person in America would want Republicans back in control of the House, given you just have to look at 23, from January 3rd right up to the very end, at the chaos, the dysfunction, the clown car that they ran around last year. So... Um, I think that they will almost certainly lose Congress. And, you know, there's also some changes to, I won't get into the weeds, but there are changes to some of the um, districts and the and the, the map drawing that will actually work to Democrats' advantage. So my view is they're going to take the House, regardless of who takes the White House. They're going to take, Democrats will take control of the House of Representatives. And I think they may, it, the Senate is trickier, but I think they may still hold on to the Senate. So let's just say Biden gets a second term and Democrats take the House and take the Senate. What is the point in hanging on to Trump at that stage? What is the point in humoring him? He's going to be 78. He's getting madder with every progressive day. Um, and, you know, I think at some point then Democrats, or not Democrats, Republicans have to go, you know what, enough. 
enough of this fever dream. It has to break. It has to break now. Um, and that they will realise that Trump, since 2016, has been a liability. Uh, and right. and so what that would has, be the so, best So you're saying scenario. they would just disengage from him? and I think there would be fury among the base. I think there would be absolute, initially mayhem. We may see another round of the sort of craziness we saw immediately after um, the 2020 election. But you won't have the Giuliani since time around. You won't have... You know, like, I don't think yeah. there's a lawyer left. Yeah, who's there's, gonna, there's no who's cast say, of characters. You know what? I'll bankrupt myself and get this Yeah, but he'll find them, Marion. He'll find them. I, like, this is the thing. We don't know their names yet, but there's, yeah. there's you know, there lawyers. Will, there's always there a lawyer desperate. There's always a Lionel Hutz somewhere. Uh, I want to yeah. ask this question, though, when you say that uh, opinion and support or trust in the democratic process is on the floor. Is that just because he says it is? Or no. is there genuine no. feeling that your vote might not get counted? The biggest concern, I think, for America is, and it's the same with all democracies that fall into authoritarian hands, is that if ordinary people stop having faith in, in the institutions of democracy, that would be the legislature, hmm. the White House, and in particular the Supreme Court, that then they don't trust the results. They don't trust and they don't value the results of elections. And I think at the moment, both Democrats and Republicans really fear there's going to be dirty stuff going down in 2024. And they do not trust the Supreme Court, which was always trusted previously. Even, you know, I remember in 2000, when the Supreme Court waded in in Bush v. Gore and basically threw the election to Bush by judicial fiat, there was outrage. But the Supreme Court was still in good enough standing that it was badly dented, but it was able to weather that storm and it didn't trigger an uprising, it didn't trigger violence. Basically, Al Gore said, okay, you know what? Fair enough. For the good of democracy, I'm going to exit stage Mm. left. There is no way Donald Trump is going to do that. There is no way. And um, I think that if Biden were to lose, yes, I think that he, if if he felt it was fair and square that that he would just um, leave honourably because he is a, at the end of the day a decent honourable man, but it, it, let's say Biden wins the popular vote but um, loses in the electoral college, which is a pretty strong possibility. I'm afraid. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but it is a strong possibility. It's a, you know it, it, the the possibility is certainly there. Um, how will Democrats react to that? Will they just say, look, this is bullshit. We've lost three elections in the last 20 years and we should have won because of, you know, this electoral college nonsense. Uh, I think that either, look, overall trust, as I say, in America's institutions and in the court's willingness to protect and uphold them has crumbled on both sides, on Mm. both sides. Democrats have lost faith with the Supreme Court, largely because of Roe v. Wade most recently, but but for a number, you know, the gun, the terrible gun control decision, the end of affirmative action, all of these things, they see them as basically senators in robes, Republican senators in robes. And, you know, so the, the country, I have, I, I do think that I've never gone into an election year with, with a, such a feeling of Oh Jesus! What's going to happen? You know that that America is really venturing now. Last the the, the twenty twenty election was a choice between chaos and a return to some kind of order, and America picked a return to some kind of order with Biden, pretty overwhelmingly in both the popular vote and the electoral college vote. Uh, I, this time around, I I just don't know, um, and and I don't know 
what uh, we know the consequences of of Trump becoming president, um, and we do hope that the courts would sort of curb his most authoritarian impulses. But I think, and we we spoke about this years ago, that to me Trump has always been much more of a Victor Orban character. That that is the way he would rule in a second term. And Orban, as we know, got turfed out after one term, um, spent a term in exile, came back, and has been there ever since because he has basically institution himself as an authoritarian strongman. And that is the playbook I think that Trump would want to go by, whether or not he would succeed, given his age, and etc. Uh, I don't know. But uh, but I don't think American democracy, you know, and everybody was saying 2020 was the election, that, you know, this was the most critical moment in America's history. And it was until now. Until now. Uh, <laughs> until th- now. This, if I was on... Um, Joe Biden's campaign right now, I I think I'd have to be dredging up all of the times in which uh, Donald Trump has said, if I don't win, it's fixed. Whether it was the Emmys or a business award, this is his line. (laughs) Court case, you name it. Yeah, no, whatever it was. If I don't win, this is a crock of shit. And obviously everyone's out to get me. And just kind of, you know, just in that way, release the valve of bullshit just allow it to flow like the the sewage truck in father ted just hit that red button and allow it to just flow out one side and people to say oh it's not actually the system it's just a thing he says but he's in a really important place and it's actually calling into question the very structures of the state but it is just a thing he says the yeah. one curveball marion and the one thing that could result in Joe Biden, uh, arriving at the finish line with his fist in the air would be if he somehow managed to communicate to people what he's actually done. His domestic accomplishments, more than any president since the 60s, are amazing. He's presided over the most extraordinary economic recovery. We're talking 14 million jobs, for those of you that have been listening. A far better economy that was ever under Donald Trump, even before the pandemic, in terms of jobs, wages, GDP. Inflation has gone down by two thirds. I know. My big question that I'm putting to you is, is it possible that Joe Biden will get his flowers, <laughs> will somehow be given his credit and people to see, oh, yeah, he is actually doing a good job? Or is that just something Democrats can't do? You know, I... I'm afraid I might go with the latter. Now, Biden is apparently becoming very frustrated at the messaging. But the problem is he is the messenger. People don't want to listen to Jake Sullivan or Jared Bernstein or his economic advisors, you know, talking all these dry figures. They want a president who will inspire them. American, America is like a big children's party. They want to be made to feel good and happy and they want the guy who's running the party, the adult basically, to make them all have fun and enjoy themselves and, Mm. you know... The Clinton factor. Yeah, Biden is not an inspiring president. He is a very effective president as we've seen from from what he has achieved, like the, the huge piece of legislation, the Infrastructure Act, the CHIPS Act, the climate change. He's done all of that, as you said, with the economy, you know, and inflation has come tumbling down. Uh, 40 million jobs, all of that. But 
he's not conveying it because he doesn't have... I mean, Regan could sell Americans a big bucket of horse manure and tell them it was gold. <laughs> and tell them this is gold. This is the best thing ever. <laughs> Biden does the opposite. Biden takes a bucket of gold and, and makes it look like it's horse manure. You know, <laughs> yeah. I, it, it's just, it, uh, yeah, just, he, he somehow I manages to make know. the cost of living yeah. crisis across the globe his fault. Yeah. It's yeah. truly he, extraordinary. He doesn't. He makes his achievements. But also, I think that there is a problem in how, you know, he, he does throw out the statistics that we have just enumerated. You know, the, the 14 million jobs, the, you know, the, the fact that inflation has come down by two thirds. And, you know, even the, the old barometer, the price of petrol at the pump, that has come tumbling down as well. But the problem is that he doesn't, he's not connecting with, now, a lot, okay, there's one statistic, I was talking to some American people over Christmas about this, and they they were, it was it was just actually at a small political event, and, and one of them said to me, look, if I buy a house now, um, and he was a 42-year-old with a decent wage and a couple of kids, he said, if I buy a house now, um, it's going to cost me, he said, the mortgage is going to cost me a thousand dollars a month more than it would have done three years ago. Who am I supposed to blame for that? And he said, Biden's telling us everything is great. And he said, why am I paying, you know, a thousand dollars more a month for a mortgage? Now, people will blame the president. That's just how it is. Mm. But Biden isn't connecting with the people who have seen the interest rates on their credit cards go soaring, who can't afford it, who've seen their car loan interest rates go, you know, through the roof. And who cannot even think about buying a house uh, because their their the mortgages would be bonkers compared to where they were a couple of years ago, uh, and he's not. So he needs, I think, to be saying to people, "Look, I know you're not feeling it yet. You know, I know you're not feeling it yet. But but stay with me. You know, stay stay the course because things are getting better, mm. and you will start feeling it soon. Because throwing out you know Wall Street Journal statistics doesn't resonate." with people who are really struggling at the moment. And a lot of Americans are really struggling. And, well, and he, he's not reaching those people. He certainly is not. But we are reaching an awful lot more people over on patreon.com forward slash Irishman Abroad with an extra large episode every single week. Those people are loving their membership and sticking with us right through to the 2024 election that Marion mentioned. And we'd love you to come over and join us just for the price of a pint each month. Cancel any time you like. No obligation. Maybe that's part of your New Year's resolution in terms of keeping informed and not turning away from what is difficult news. We'll have Marion by your side all the way through. And in the second half of our conversation today, I'll be asking what exactly the Colorado ruling means. Does it mean that there's a chance Donald Trump won't be allowed to run for president? Will AI produce more disruption in entertainment in 2024? Will Nikki Haley be Donald Trump's VP? But what will happen to Ron DeSantis? Like, what, what is down the road for this man? And could <laughs> Vladimir Putin be overthrown? It is a big, chunky second half of the show, and I haven't even told you about Marion's pick of the upcoming movies this year. I'm going to give her the options. Dune 2, Bob Marley biopic, Kung Fu Panda 4, Deadpool 3, Gladiator with the ultra-sexy Paul Mescal. You have got to hear who she picks for her pick of the movie to look forward to this year all over on patreon.com forward slash Irishman Abroad. Ready? 
You have the cameras rolling. This is America. A lot of people who would probably consider themselves liberal have done very well financially under the Donald Trump four years. You encouraged espionage against our people. You condemn any interference by Russia in the American election. By Russia or anybody else. Russia, please, if you can, get us Hillary Clinton's emails. Please, Russia, please. To renew America, we must revitalize...